Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 66 of Bleeding Blue. And last Thursday, the New York football Giants won their first preseason game against the New York Jets by a score of 31-22 to in a game where Daniel Jones was performing so well, it brought the entire tri-state area to its knees. So, without further ado, David, what are we going to do? You, you really bummed down the energy with that. All right, welcome back. Thanks to David for really bringing down the energy like that. That's the first time that I really yelled during an intro. Yeah, I, I was not prepared to match that energy level. I'm sorry. That, that, that was weird. That was weird sorry, for David, me. David also has this thing where I, I tell him all the time, I'm like, David, just say the intro this episode. Let's, let's, let's mix it up. And you just have this really, this hatred and this strong desire that you just do not want to do the intros. We're creatures of habit, Justin, and I don't I don't want to upset the apple cart. Oh, gosh. All right, so uh, if you are a first-time listener to this podcast, I want to welcome you. I can imagine that we possibly may have a few first-time listeners because an actual football game happened, and this is the first time since uh, January where we actually are covering a football game that actually did happen. So I want to welcome you. This is a podcast called Bleeding Blue. This once was a podcast that did both Yankees and Giants stuff, but right now... We primarily made a switch this offseason to primarily cover the New York football Giants. We are bleeding blue for the Giants. My name is Justin. You can follow me on Twitter at jpenix 74 For part-time, I am a transplanted Yankee fan and Giant fan. Right now, I am in New Jersey and I am home, but I usually I go to school in Philadelphia. And my co-host's name is David, and he can tell you about himself. I... Went to school with Justin at one time. I'm a little bit older than he is. So I graduated, uh, not this past May, but the previous May. Uh, I live in ba- I live back in New York. Lifelong Giants fan, lifelong Yankees fan, Knicks fan, and New York Rangers fan. So a lot of losing recently. It's been a great time. Thank God for the Yankees. But definitely the most passionate about, about our New York football Giants. So uh, excited for the season to get started. Now, David, to really introduce us, I want to read a review that we got on the Apple Podcast app recently. (laughs) Now, this was a four-star rating. It was not a five-star rating, but even though it was a four-star rating on the Apple Podcast app, it was the highest compliment I think we have ever gotten. It's my favorite review that we have ever gotten. So shout out to UCLA Professor. If you are listening to this podcast right now, which I still hope you are, even after your somewhat negative but mostly positive review, I really hope that you're listening to this, but I'm going to read your review live on air right now, because if you are a first time listener, this is pretty much the perfect introduction to who we are. So he's talking about the series where we are previewing the Giants and we're previewing every single significant Giants player on the roster. So when he says series, that's what he's referring to. The series giving significant exception to each individual player is good when you stick to football. There are a number of other good Giants podcasts, but none that I know of systematically give such sustained attention to particular players. But the opening segment in which you kid around with each other and talk about irrelevant things about the players is worse than boring. It's painful. Your talent is for football analysis, not, I repeat, not for casual humor. So if you are a first-time listener, we are not funny. We are very good football analysts. 
And I want to really emphasize that, David. Would you would you agree with that? And a professor, I mean, a professor told us, and, and Justin, you're still in school, so you have no choice but to listen to professors. Um, that is true. I, I have it. Like I said, I'm a creature of habit. I, ha- I have no choice but to listen to professors. So yeah, I mean, it's evident that our football acumen is just through the roof. There is nobody on Twitter, on Instagram, on Facebook, on MySpace, MySpace. on on AO Messenger, on anything that has a higher football acumen than us. All right, so uh, how we usually uh, cover Giants games, we're going to be changing some. I'm joking. We're going to be <laughs> we're going to be changing some things up. We're going to be making some things different this year. We usually give out game balls, but we always start off with like a medical report in the beginning. Uh, we're going to be adding a, a giant shithead of the week. So we, we give out our game balls and then we do some honorable mentions and then we're going to be doing our giant shithead of the week. So, you know, basically who from the Giants game, it could be honestly from whether it was somebody that the Giants played or he can be on the Giants or even the referees this week might even might even get a vote for giant shithead of the week because that was just bad. But anyway, we're going to be changing some things up. But David, let's just jump right into the medical report. Um, and we're going to do this very quickly because we do want to get to some Daniel Jones talk. Most importantly and most notably, DeAndre Baker needed an MRI on his knee Monday morning after what was a non-contact incident, which whenever you hear non-contact, you always have to prepare for the worst. However, torn ACLs, MCLs, or major injuries like that are usually diagnosed pretty quickly. But regardless, DeAndre Baker walks away with only a knee sprain as Giants fans everywhere take a huge sigh of relief. David, this would have been doomsday scenario if we were to lose him. And I know we have depth, but for what Baker is expected to do this year and how he has already performed in practice and in the preseason game, even though he was flagged for a pass interference call, that would have been season-altering. Yeah, for sure. I I tweeted today, um, I tweeted that the football gods have smiled upon us. And that is something that the Giants... Giants fans are not used to these days is uh is a little nod from the football gods. So that would have been really bad. And you know, we've talked a lot about about the versatility of the team and, and the depth at the cornerback position specifically. They spent so much uh draft capital on fixing the the secondary and and working with the corners. But everything that we've been following has been has been clearly saying that Baker a next level up from the rest of those versatility guys, those depth guys. So to have someone like go down so quickly would really be a problem. I'm, I mean, let alone the knee sprain is not good. I think that's, that's getting lost is we're definitely going to lose. You're, you're going to lose him for some level of training camp and, and a rookie at a rookie who probably out of all the rookies on the giants this year from day one is expected to do is to do the most and is most pro ready. It's disappointing, and it's a little worrisome to see him start losing time uh, early on. But but thankfully, it's not the fourth preseason game; it's only the first. It was only the first, so we will uh, we'll see how that goes. But I agree, it would have been a doomsday scenario. It would have really been a problem. Grant Haley shed the non-contact injury jersey today during practice, which today is Monday, so there is a chance he plays Friday against the Bears. So that's good news. Sterling Shepard is still in his non-contact yellow jersey, so he will probably still be out against the Chicago Bears. Uh, Jonathan Hillman, who has been taking 13 reps at running back, was forced out of the game with a concussion Thursday night, but he was out there practicing on Monday in a yellow non-contact jersey, so that's good. Wayne Gallman also suffered a foot sprain. However, he was out practicing almost at full speed in camp on Monday. So I almost forgot that he was on the injury report after the game because he was out there actually practicing on Monday with full speed. Alec Ogletree suffered a calf strain, and unfortunately, he does not have a concrete timeline for his return to the field. And it's always the calf strains and the hamstring sprains that always get you nervous during training camp about uh, guys long-term ability as the season goes on and how that if, if that's going to be a thing that's going to be nagging you as the year goes on. So Alec Ogletree, you get a little nervous about. And as we are recording this, even though he is not on the injured list or he is not even injured at all, we still do not have news on Golden Tate's appeal or else we would also address that. We're just going to presume that it's going to be four games as we have been presuming this entire summer. Hopefully that decision is coming soon. But in the words of Pat Shermer, we're just waiting like the rest of the world is. And I love how sassy Pat Shermer can be at times. <laughs> Justin, uh, just 
you know, because I can't help myself. If you had to give an answer, and you're going to say, oh, you really can't tell. But if you had to give an answer, do you think that there's anything to be said for the longer it's the better it is? The longer it takes for us to get a decision? Like, you know how you'll, you'll be sitting at a game and, and the longer uh, a replay takes, everyone starts thinking that means it's going to get overturned because they're looking at stuff and there's something else to look at. and They're trying to figure out where the ball is going to be placed and all of that. So, you know, you're, you're four days out. Do you think there's anything to be said for the longer it takes? The, the, is that potentially a better sign or is it just a while? I, I have no clue. I mean, uh, how long did Robert, if anybody remembers on the top of their head, how long did the Robert Mathis mm-hmm. thing? Because it's basically the same situation, right? Where Robert Mathis also said that he was using it as uh, for fertility. But So how long did that appeal take? But I don't know. You know, if it, 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 usually the NFL is so stingy on this stuff. If anything, I, I would be shocked if it gets reduced down to even three games. So it, it may, and if it does, great. But Hey, I mean, let's let I'm just I'm just ready to get this thing over with so we can stop talking about it and stop talking about it in hypotheticals. So I'm ready for that. All right. So let's get right into I just want to start off with Daniel Jones before we even get to, to our game balls and giant shitheads of the week. I want to talk Daniel Jones, Danny Jones. He was so good. He was five for five. He was perfect. Touchdown led an 80 yard drive in seven plays. He was so good, David, that he actually brought the entire tri-state area to a halt and to a stop. So tell us, tell us your thoughts on uh, on Danny Jones's first appearance as the Giants' next franchise quarterback. It was obvious he played he played really really well. And and Justin, you and I were both at the game, uh, not sitting together, but you know I got caught up in the hype, and I and I I think I'm somewhere on one of my friends. Uh, on a video somewhere on my friend's phone screaming, Daniel Jones is going to the Hall of Fame. Now, I might believe that. Who knows? But I think upon watching it multiple times now since, it's obvious that he looked very comfortable in the offense. He looked very comfortable in the play calls. The play calls were safe play calls. They, they you know, they weren't, there was nothing, there was nothing overly challenging, I think, about what he was being asked to do. And and this was a, this was something you pointed out. As soon as I saw you after the game or after that drive, you pointed out everything was his first read, which I gave you a hard time for at the time, because I, I said that, that you're being so picky. Just, just enjoy the fact that he's playing really, that he played really well. But looking back on it, I want to point your attention to the the third throw, the third throw of that drive. Uh, so the first one is the, was a little three yard completion. The second one was the slant to Golden Tate. The third one was the uh, it was kind of like it was a, a play action fake to Cody Latimer towards the sideline. And my biggest issue with it is Daniel Jones play action, and he's got in the flat he's got Wayne Gallman and Cody Latimer as the next level receiver. And there's a corner in between the, the the running back and the receiver. And he really stares down Cody Latimer. And if you look closely, if you watch it back, I encourage everyone to go watch it back. What you'll notice is that corner makes a break on Cody Latimer before Daniel Jones lets go of the ball. The corner is running, is beelining basically for Cody Latimer. Now, he happens to get there late, but that bothered me um, because – the Jets had their entire second-string defense out there on the field. You torched the second-string defense. That's very nice to see. But a first-string defense often not going to allow that play to happen. All he's got to do there is is keep his eyes on Gallman for a little while, for, for a split second. It freezes the corner, and you have a wide-open throw to Latimer and ends up not getting tackled by the guy who ended up making the break on Latimer. Definitely my biggest critique, and I think it's important for Giants fans alike, for everybody, to find to to be picky, right? It's the preseason. Be picky. Have, have no problem saying uh, he played really, really well. He made every play that was asked of him. He looked extremely comfortable. He didn't look like the moment was taking him over. It was only the preseason, but, you know, some guys get nervous in the preseason. It happens. He looked comfortable, and he he delivered strong throws. So I'm going to leave my critique there. I have a, I have a big positive I want to point out. Another play I want to point out. But Justin, I'll let you go first with any any anything you first want to say. If you want to respond to me, go ahead. Tell me I'm right. I love when you tell me I'm right. So yeah, go you go first, and then I want to I want to get to my to my big positive. Well, David, you are right, and I love that you I take everything that. with a group. <laughs> 
But you also, I mean, you just like you do in the preseason, just like you do during training camp, and really until the games start to matter and when we when we get to September 8th or September 9th, whatever day that we're going to be playing the Dallas Cowboys, you take everything with a grain of salt. And that's exactly what you have to do here. But regardless, just to see this guy on the football field after all of the shit that happened in April, after the summer of criticism, after the entire country going after Gettleman, the entire country going after the Giants, going after Jones, myself questioning the value. I never doubted the pick. I never doubted the player. But you can certainly still question the value after all that. For him to go out and do that, and especially for a guy like Dwayne Haskins to absolutely, um, I was about to say suck a titty, but uh, that is inappropriate. It's very inappropriate, so I'm gonna I'm not gonna say that, but I think I am just gonna leave it in. Um, but for Dwayne Haskins to go out and to not be very good, it, it meant so much in that moment. Now, where my critique comes in is the fact it's really in the Giants. Obviously, the the when you have an hour rain delay or weather delay, the field is quote unquote wet. You have to go out and you have to stretch and you have to get warm again. Blah 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 blah. I got the whole, uh, I got the whole lecture on Twitter on how it wasn't smart to put Daniel Jones out there after the weather delay. I wholeheartedly disagree. Wholeheartedly disagree. Now, oh yeah, what happens if he goes out and he tears his ACL um, when they put him out there for more reps? He, if he's going to go out there and he's going to tear his ACL, it wouldn't be because of a wet field, and it wouldn't be because the fact that he didn't get enough time to stretch. When he went back out there, that's not that's not the case, and that's my opinion. Feel free to disagree with me, but in a in a preseason where, and in a season where Eli Manning is going to be the quarterback, no matter how much I may disagree with that, no matter how much I want I may want Daniel Jones to be playing Week One because it's best for the franchise. It may not be best for the 2019 season, but it's best for the franchise moving forward. Daniel Jones needs to play as much as humanly possible this preseason because his reps will be limited. And what we want to be and what we want to root for as Giants fans this year, we want to root for Eli Manning to lead this team as far as he as far as he possibly can. We want to root for that. We want that to happen. So by the off chance that that actually does happen, which I think it is very, very slim, that Eli Manning will actually be taking this team to great lengths. If that does happen, then Daniel Jones is on the bench for a whole season. And in a league where teams are now winning with quarterbacks on their rookie deals, it's it's just backwards. And it's not, it's not how successful teams operate in today's NFL. So that's why he needs these live reps. And that's where my main criticism comes in. The throws were strong. Daniel Jones, every single throw, he put the ball where only his wide receiver could catch it. Sure, it was only the first reads. Sure, the Jets' defense and defenses in general, they're just not going to be that sophisticated. Everything is going to be very vanilla in the preseason. Sure, you take everything, everything, everything with a grain of salt, but he had the confidence to deliver throws. He did everything that he said that we wanted to see, David. You said that you wanted to see him move the ball and and just move the ball down the field, even if he doesn't put seven on the board. Well, he did put seven on the board. I've said that what I want to see out of him during training camp is the ability to push the ball down the field. He did that, including the touchdown. He had the balls to put that ball in that spot to Cody to Benny Fowler in the red zone. I'm ranting right now, but I kind of, David, I kind of want to give you your space to talk, and we're kind of, we'll talk maybe a few more minutes about Daniel Jones, and then we'll move on. I, I agree with everything you said. I get your or I get your frustration because it's because it's such a it's such a tough spot. It's such yeah. a we're in such an in, and the Giants have done it to themselves with this quarterback situation. They've only done it to themselves because they're trying to ride out Eli Manning until he cannot be ridden out anymore. It's such such a difficult spot. Yeah, and and I I understand your frustration. I do. I and I said to you when we were at the game, I, I wouldn't put him back out there. I think it, it it works very. And you did not like this, but it works very similarly to the way that. Uh, in a rain delay, you're not your starting your, your starting pitcher back out there. No matter how well he was pitching, I hated that. No matter comparison. how well, no matter how well he was pitching, you're not putting him back out. It just isn't happening. I'm not I I 
I was I was very confident they were not putting out putting out Jones, and I get why they didn't. I get why you're annoyed, but I get why they didn't. Yeah, I I wanted him to push to to, to show that he could he could sustain a drive, and you know what? He not only did that, but he put up points, and he sustained drives on third downs. I think that's that really important to me, and, and I do want to really quickly then get to my. My my biggest positive, my my the, the thing that made me the happiest upon watching his drive back. The touchdown is obvious. It was a really nice throw. It was a really nice catch too. It was a really nice throw. The the he had a third down throw right before that touchdown. He had a third down throw. It was the play before. Yeah, the play before also to Fowler. That throw, that's that's a big boy throw. Yeah. And and again, I encourage everyone to go back and and I think Justin, you said you can find this on YouTube. This drive, I encourage everyone to go back, watch the drive again, and watch every throw and and watch the different things that he's doing and watch where the receivers are. And that third down throw, if you look when he releases that ball, it's before Fowler even begins his break. You watch the spot that he put it in, the velocity he had to put on the ball. Say that's not just a big boy throw. That's a like that. That's that's a throw you have to make in the playoffs. That's a throw you have to make when you want to contend, and especially when you when you understand. Look at where they were on the field, and and Justin, this is going to make you very happy. Look at where they were on the field. Look at the previous three years. Where has this team failed? This team has failed when they get inside the twenty yard line. When they get inside the thirty yard line, they get four first downs and they stall. That's where they fail on third and seven throws. Those out routes. Eli Manning's not made that throw. Daniel Jones walked in the first one he faced in a live game. He makes, he makes, and it was perfect. It was, he needed seven. He got eight. It's perfect. So Benny Fowler ran an out route. And uh, now before Benny Fowler even turned his head on this out route, Daniel Jones released the ball. Like I, I, I paused it at the moment where Daniel Jones released the ball. Benny Fowler's head is not turned yet. That is an NFL veteran throw right there the fact that you have the confidence to deliver the ball in the spot where it needs to be delivered in tight coverage again every single one of his throws was in tight coverage it's not like any of these guys were just wide open and it's like oh yeah um it's not like watching Dwayne Haskins a uh, college tape where all of his uh stud uh skill position players were just easy, wide open easy, I'm feeling I'm feeling I'm, I'm feeling a little I'm getting Bobby Skinner right now I'm getting petty but uh but neither here nor there these were tight throws. These were NFL quality throws, even if he was staring down his first read all the time. And I think Patrick, they, they did a very good job in the plays that they called in giving Daniel Jones confidence that he can deliver the ball. So that's also another spin, David, that these plays, they clearly felt very good about these plays where I think we've seen some plays, especially during training camp. I saw today during Giants practice. I was at Giants practice today where they were running some very interesting formations with Eli Manning. They were doing some very interesting things with the first string offense, and it wasn't really leading to great results. So everything was going to be probably very vanilla for the second and third string because it's what they're comfortable with. Whereas the first string offense, because they're more comfortable with the offense, there are guys that have been the offense for more than one season. They can run it because they have the experience and they just can because it's that's the group that really matters. So, um, David, I do want to move on. We are going to move on to our kind of like main segment where we're going to be giving out our game balls. We're going to do that first. We'll give out a game ball, and then we'll do some honorable mentions. Then we'll talk about our giant shithead of the week. And also, then we will be talking about... Um, David, actually, why don't you introduce this this new segment that, are, that we're going to be starting, particularly during the preseason? Because you thought of it. Yeah, so we're going to be doing a... Uh, we're going to be doing Bleeding Blues stock report. Uh, catch us on Bloomberg Network. Uh, coming to a uh, a local channel near you, uh, UCLA Press is not going to like that. Yeah, we're basically, and it works very well for the preseason because because that that ultimately is all preseason is. It's it's what guy stock is rising, what guy stock is falling. So basically, Justin and I are going to uh, are going to list some guys that you should be buying their stock, uh, especially guy maybe buy their stock low, maybe like a uh, I, I know one of uh, one of Justin's buddies, uh, Terrence Fade. Yeah, so so guys who maybe you haven't even noticed, who who you should start taking a notice to in the in the coming preseason games, and we might even continue doing this uh, here and there throughout the regular season, but definitely during the preseason. So we'll get into that a little bit later. First, we'll do our game balls, our shithead, and we'll get into uh, we'll get into a stock report. So yeah, a couple couple cool little segments we got going. David, uh, who are you giving your game ball of the week to? Just one. 
Uh, yeah, I guess maybe offense, defense, and then honorable mentions. Okay, my well, my defensive game ball is going to Tay Davis. Ooh. Tay Davis, second on the team in tackles, uh, tied for second. Uh, he, had, he had five combined tackles, um, a tackle for loss. You just watch you you watch the game back and you see him. He's all over the place, and 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 if people have been paying attention to our previewing the Giants, especially. I'm very I'm clearly a big fan of guys who maybe don't make the play but always find themselves in the play. And Tay Davis was very quick off the line. There was one play in particular that stands out to me. Uh I think it was on the second the second Jets drive after they marched down the field and scored. It was I, it was a it was a seemingly nondescript play, but Jets tried to run uh they had a hole to the left. And Tay Davis came from the other side of the field. And really, I'm talking, it jumps off when you watch it, how quickly he got around around his man, around the line of scrimmage. And he came from behind him in a very nice play. And it's funny because Tay Davis, throughout uh, the offseason, we've been saying, we, we've been calling Tay Davis, he's the pass, he's the pass cover. He's, he's, the, he's the guy who we're relying on to be the more solid pass coverage guy. And I think he played very well in both aspects of the game. Uh, obviously, it's a little bothersome to see the the first string defense struggle as much as they did with the Jets offense, and Tay Davis is part of that. But but it is what it is. Yeah, but but you know but you know there are reasons you know there are reasons why that happened. Though. It's it's very hard to look at point results at this stage of the game. You got to look for. I think you said this uh, before. I think you said this last week, Justin. It's about finding trends. It's about looking looking for trends, looking for things that are consistent um, characteristics. And Tay Davis, I think, to me, just seemed to play really fast. He played really physically. Um, and he just seemed to get his nose in every play, which which at this stage of the game is really all you can be asking for. I think he's he's definitely uh, definitely deserves a game ball. He, he was a dog. He played like a dog. I know you love dogs. He played like a dog, man. Like a dog. Um, he, uh, I know we talked about on BJ Hill's uh, previewing the Giants episode where I was like, dude, we just need BJ Hill to be one of these guys that really takes like that huge second leap, that huge second year leap. But Tay Davis, man, we talked about guys like Lorenzo Carter who they're going into 2019 with the plan where they're not, they don't have to think about where they have to be, what they have to do, how to be athletic. They're going in with more of a plan where they can let their athleticism just be on full display because they've been through the whole physical reps of their first years and of the previous years of just getting accustomed to NFL type of speed and the NFL speed of the game. Tay Davis is in the same boat, man, where Tay Davis, you saw a lot of those mental errors. This preseason game, he you saw his athleticism. You saw his speed. You saw the acceleration. You saw a man who was on a mission and, again, a man with a plan. So, dude, I'm jumping the gun here. BJ Goodson, stock is falling. Hey, it's not the stock report. I know, I know, I know. The sponsors would not be happy with you. I know, I know. Sponsors would not be happy with Old me. Bloom- Bloomberg Network. Bloomberg Network is pissed. <clears throat> My game ball on the defensive side of the ball is going to our main man, Jake Carlock. Nice. He had one tackle. One combined tackle, <laughs> but no. But here's my I, I love that. Oh, I, really quick, I I get it. I know you're gonna get into it, but I love that. My game ball, Jake Carlock, one tackle. It's preseason, man. It's preseason. Um, he had one sack though. Huge sack. Huge sack. I'm not going in chronological order here, but after the sack, there was a point, and I believe it was almost, and I believe it was the fourth quarter, where there has to be less than ten thousand people left at MetLife Stadium, but Jake Carlock makes the sack, points to his family that is sitting in the 100-level section behind the Jets' end zone, and the family is just going insane. You can hear them. There has to be 20 or 30 of these twenty or thirty of these Jake Carlock family members, and it was just so cool. He pointed to them. He also had a pass deflection, and then he also had an interception that went all the way back for a touchdown. And, dude, um, he's listed as like a defensive back like online. like a defensive back linebacker, but he was lining up as an edge rusher. Very strange. I actually need to do more research on Jake Carlock to see who the hell is this guy? Where the hell did this guy play in college? But he's, he's my guy that's going to get the game ball because his 
Stock is rising again. The God damn it. The sponsors are not going to be happy with me. They you're we're going to get yanked. <laughs> People are going to click off because it's like you're not you're not sticking to you. You're not sticking to your to your plan. But dude, I know Bobby Skinner has always been on the, the Jake Carlock train where he's just like, you know, we just call we called your Bill Peppers. The dude's just a football player. Jake Carlock is the same thing. He's a madman. He's just a football player. And that's what I'm going to leave it at. Bobby Skinner and, and, and talking Giants deserves a uh, deserves a shout a shout out. Because they, they they named him like a couple weeks ago. No, they, no, they named it after. No, they literally named him after we signed him as an undrafted free agent. That's how long ago they've had they've had this guy on their radar. Like it's it's awesome. It, it's impressive. So so shout out Bobby. That, that is impressive work. But no, I I do agree with you. He he another guy just all over the field making plays, making his face known. And the best thing you can do in preseason, ask it like Victor Cruz. The best thing you can do in preseason is just. Put your jersey everywhere. Let people, when, when you leave the stadium, make sure there's at least some people saying, that guy with the random number, I can't remember. 52. That, he, that took guy, a, he took Alec Ogletree's number. He did. Alec Ogletree's now 47. But but that, I mean, that's something you do as, as, a, as a guy who's trying to make a name for himself on the team. Just put your face in everything, and something will go your way. All right, David, who's going to get your second game ball on offense? My second game ball in offense is tough because there's a couple of guys I want to give it to, but I also, some guys might deserve, deserve uh, maybe not the game ball. My game ball, it's easy to give it to Daniel Jones. I'm not going to do that. He only played one drive. My game ball into TJ Jones, the other Jones, led the, team in re- led the team in receptions, led the team in targets, led the team in receiving yards, and had a touchdown. For a guy who's trying to make hit to separate himself among the quote quote unquote other receivers, that is undeniable production, and 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 he really had a very nice thing going with Alex Tanny. Uh, also had a good thing going with Kyle Laletta. So I think, which was beautiful by the way on both ends, the the throw was very nice and the the reception was even nicer. Uh, but you know, six targets, six receptions, seventy two yards, averaging twelve yards a catch. Um, which if, if anybody, you know, I like to give myself credit where I can give myself credit because I can't give myself credit very often. When I was talking about TJ Jones and why I thought he was a very good option for the Giants moving forward in like the fourth receiver spot is he's one of those guys that always just seems to find himself two yards past the first down marker. He's always where you need him on the field, which is something the team's been lacking recently. He's averaging 12 yards a catch. So these are not dink and dunk passes. He's finding himself himself in situations where he can really move the chains, move the ball down the field. He's keeping he's keeping the Giants moving positively. So TJ Jones, I think, um, for all the for all of the camp hype he's been getting and the practice hype he's been getting, he's one of one of, in my opinion, the few guys on offense who made the preseason game an extension of practice for him. Yeah, he's he particularly did separate himself, especially thinking about, you know, he was a guy that played a decent amount with the Lions last year. What TJ Jones can do and what TJ Jones can bring for this football team, it's different than what guys like Benny Fowler can do. And initially, you know, my thought is, oh, TJ Jones is going to make this team based off of his pump returning skills and his kick returning skills. But now with his, you know, both connection with Alex Tanney and Kyle Luletta and his performance with both of those quarterbacks, he may just make it solely flat out because of his wide receiver abilities. So that's very, very good, especially considering that Golden Tate probably will be suspended for the first four games of this season. So my game ball, I have to do it. David, I, I just have to do it. My game ball for offense is going to Daniel Jones. He scored the Yawn. first offense. Uh, what was that? Yawn. Yawn. Yeah, I mean, I, I have to do it. I mean, because we, we already we already talked about it. We already talked about it. You know, um, he scored the first touchdown of the Giants uh, 2019 season, and it was just fun. Very fun. It was a lot of fun. I agree with you. And I mean, we, we've 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 talked about him already, so we don't need to go into deep analysis on it. All right, I want to start out, and I want to give okay. my giant shithead award. It could go to it. it uh, we're gonna we're gonna get to Julian Love. I I would give it to Julian Love, but I think that would be too tough. And now, when we say giant shithead, we're not actually like physically or metaphorically shitting on a player. It's just like it's just like a term. It's just a it's just a segment. Don't freak out. Don't think that we're haters just because we do this. It's it's just a segment. It's just an idea. But anyway, giant shithead award. I'm gonna give it to the referees because that was shit. Because I also hate referees. I, I hate 
referees. I hate this new pass interference rule. I think it is going to fuck over the Giants so many times this year because that's just usually what happens, knowing our knowing us and knowing our luck. But it took two minutes and thirty seconds or two minutes and twenty seconds for this pass for this pass interference review to get all sorted out. Now you're thinking, okay, two minutes and 20 seconds isn't that bad, right? But when you include that now this is a new way for coaches to challenge calls on the field, when you include that turnovers are reviewed, that is no longer a thing that coaches have to challenge. Touchdowns are reviewed. That is no longer a thing that coaches have to challenge. Things within two minutes are always reviewed. That is not something that coaches have ever challenged. So now you just gave the coach. Now, challenges have usually been pretty rare. Because what do you challenge? What do you actually challenge now? What the spot of the ball? Spot of the ball. Yeah, that's really that's really the main thing. That's not that that's not tur- that's not turnovers or touchdowns. So catch or no catch, or catch or or catch one. or no catch. That's it. So now you're giving you now you're making another reason to make the games longer when they are already long enough. And this is just so subjective. It's so like because basically you can have a pass interference call every single play. Like, arguably, just like there's holding on the offensive line. There is arguably holding on the offensive line every single play. There is arguably pass interference on almost every single pass play. So now you're making it so subjective, and it's just only going to make the games that more that much more frustrating to watch at times. So, giant shithead of the week, NFL NFL Corporation in New York, NFL League headquarters, and... Uh, and the and the referees because they were actually very bad and it was and it, and it bothered me and I like to shit on the referees. Well, it's preseason for everybody, Justin. Referees are in midseason form. You know who it's not preseason for, Justin. You know who works three hundred and sixty five days a year. Me, true, but that's not who I was thinking of. You're not my shithead. No, oh. my giant shithead of the week. And people are gonna call us a cop out, but it's okay. Mother Nature. Oh come on, you got to give it to Paul Perkins, bro. He's he's gonna be my my number one stock down. Wow, person. we're we're just we're we're such homers. We're David. We're such homers that we didn't even give the giant shithead award. Do you want me to change that? Do you want me to change that? I'll change it. No, I don't want you to change it. I want you to just say why Mother Nature. Because really, actually, I like that spin. Because Mother, if it weren't for Mother Nature, we would have seen Daniel Jones more. Exactly. Exactly. Let me get to that. Okay. Edit all that shit out. I'm not gonna edit it. You edit it. Mother Nature is my is my giant shithead of the week. Without. Mother Nature deciding that at approximately 7.45, 8 o'clock in the evening on uh, this past Thursday, if Mother Nature had not decided to literally place one of the nastiest thunderstorms I've seen in quite some time right over East Rutherford, New Jersey, when there was really no other storms in the area, she just put it on top of us. That's what she said. If... Are you are you done being being an eleven year old, Justin? Yes. Okay. If not for that, we would have seen at least one more. I I imagine Daniel Jones would have gone to half. We would have had over quarter of Daniel Jones. He would have been seventeen for seventeen. He would have had he would have had two hundred eighty five yards. Uh, Reggie White probably would have had like twelve catches. Cody Latimer would have had two hundred yards on his own. Not, not really. I'm getting, I'm going crazy. Seriously, Daniel Jones, we would have seen him for a lot more. You would have gotten your wish, Justin. He would have gotten more reps, which is what you want. The fans would have enjoyed just watching the beauty that is Daniel Jones longer. Um, it would, it, it would have oh, all around been an excellent situation. But Mother Nature saw the Giants fans were finally enjoying themselves in MetLife Stadium, which has not happened for quite some time. We were having a good time, and she decided to be a shithead. And she put a thunderstorm on top of us and really showed us who was boss. And it's all her fault. So thanks. Daniel Jones performed so well that all of his haters' tears were crying down on MetLife Stadium. That should be like our that that should be our audio clip to, to like advertise this episode. Okay, I'll do that. <laughs> So that that is my that that is my shit. It's 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 hard to give a serious to give a serious one to a player at this stage of the game. You really got to be awful in the first preseason game to get that to get that honor this early. And nobody nobody was really awful besides Paul Perkins. And we're gonna get there. <laughs>
All right, David, uh, why don't we hop into our uh, whose stock is rising, whose stock is up, who are you selling, whose stock is down? Why don't you actually, I want to start off with this because this is going to be all for whose stock is up. According to Pro Football Focus, these are the top five graded players from the defensive side of the ball and the offensive side of the ball. John Jenkins got a 91.1 grade. Jay Carlock got an 85.7 grade, my game ball. Ronald Zamort got an 81.1 grade. Ryan Conley got an 80.9. Sean Chandler got a 74.6. Good for Sean Chandler. So that was on the defensive side of the ball. Top five graded offensive players, according to Pro Football Focus. Alex Taney, 82.9. Kyle Luletta, 81.5, who I was calling to get cut for last week. <laughs> Evan Brown, 76.9. Reggie White Jr., which David will get to, got a 75.3. And TJ Jones, David's game ball winner, got a 75.3 pro football focus grade. So those whose stocks are up, we'll also be talking about some guys whose stocks are up just from what we saw and with through our eyes. But David, why don't you start off first? with whatever you want to start off with and whatever you want All to right, talk I'm about. All right, I'm going to start, since we just did shithead, I'm going to do something positive now. Is it okay if I say that the stock of the Giants offensive line is up? Is that acceptable? Yes, but you have, but you have to put an asterisk next to it, and, I'm, and I will either agree with you or disagree with you based off of your okay. analysis. Where I'm, really, where I'm really watching them is not in the run game because there was no run game, and the Giants made it apparent they weren't really attempting to get a run game going. They wanted to see what the quarterbacks could do. They wanted to see what the, what the receivers could do. They, they, that's what they were there to do uh, on Thursday. Um, so there really weren't many running lanes. So I, I, kind, of, I kind of ignore that. Um, where I really, really noticed how well the offensive line was playing was in Daniel Jones' drive and going forward past that. You know, Daniel Jones was able to sit back there and hit his first read every time. He didn't have to move. He, he, he had a solid pocket. He he could sit back there as long as he wanted, and and the Cody Latimer throw, the, the the one that I was talking about earlier, he had to wait a while for that for that to come open for him to, to for him to go throw that. So I think the offensive line did a really really nice job. To my knowledge, Justin, and you can probably maybe you can confirm this, the Giants didn't suffer a sack the entire game, and I get it, I get it. The Jets defense played one played one one drive, and the Jets do a very a very good defense. So I understand. That were you know for most of the game playing against second second string probably more third third and fourth string, I get that, but the starting offensive line that's where I'm focusing. The starting offensive line I think played very very well. They they cohesive. They looked like they knew what they were doing, and, and furthermore you could see Daniel Jones was beyond comfortable behind them. Um, I would even venture to say we only saw Eli for two throws. He looked comfortable. Eli never Eli never fully looks comfortable. Uh, He's an awkward dude. Uh, we actually haven't addressed the the elephant in the room about Eli yeah. with that one particular throw with that one particular play that he missed. But honestly, it's not even worth talking about because that was what was that? Eli's pretty much his first pass attempt of the year. Oh, it was his second. It was second. And he missed Rhett Ellison. Now, obviously, how great of how great of a conversation are we having if Eli Manning hits Rhett Ellison? 20 yards down the field and Red Elson has 30 something yards after the catch. And then Daniel Jones goes five for five. How great of a podcast is this? But I, I'm not, I'm the biggest Eli. I'm, I'm not the biggest Eli critic in the world. I'm a very big Eli critic, but I'm also reasonable enough to say like, Oh, like that was his second pass attempt of the season. I'm not going to blame him if he, if he doesn't want to uh, on the run play action, fake, Put, you know, put his foot in the ground and try to yeah. fit a ball to Rhett Ellison, even though there was a pretty big window. So uh, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna freak out over that. And so yeah, so my my first uh, stock rising uh, by them now is the Giants' offensive line. We we've been saying, you know, there's a couple new faces, and and it's we we are optimistic, cautiously optimistic about them. At least based on what we've seen so far, the re, the optimism certainly has merit, and I think that's the biggest thing I took away from them. So their stock is up. But put the asterisk on them, obviously, that nobody is sending elaborate blitz packages. Nobody is Absolutely. nobody is running stunts. So put the asterisk next to them. But I agree with you, David. I mean, at least in the passing game. And really, you know, remember we have a we have a pretty good running back on the Giants. His name is Saquon Barkley. His number is twenty six. He's was the he was the NFL rookie of the year last year, just in case you forget that he is on this football team. Even if the run blocking and even if the you know our 
run offense and the offensive line isn't like that comfortable with each other to start the season, if they're feeling very good in the pass game, I feel great about that. I feel absolutely fantastic about that because Saquon Barkley can make plays happen even if there isn't a play to be had in front of him. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. So whose stock is on the rise for me? Corey Ballantyne, very, very athletic interception that he had going on going down the sideline. Uh, ironically enough, it was Davis Webb who threw the interception. So ha-ha, hee-hee, hoo-hoo. And basically, I mean, we we talked about Corey Ballantyne, I believe, on our last weekly episode, how we said that, you know, he's going to be a guy that's going to be asked to do a lot this preseason because he's getting first-team reps, second-team reps, and third-team reps. It's kind of crazy how much he's played this training camp. So he's going to be asked to play a lot throughout the preseason, and he's performed. He's a playmaker. He's a baller, and his stock is on the rise. I agree with you. Um, and I also like to point out, he was also pretty solid in the return game. He Now, what did bother me was, I think on two separate occasions, he did have a little bit of a, of a catching problem. I th- he dropped the first kickoff that came his way, and I believe he also muffed a punt that he ended up picking up and actually getting a couple yards out. That might not have been him, though. If I if I'm being completely transparent, I might be getting mixed up because they sent a bunch of different guys back there. And and today during training camp, they had about six different guys fielding punts. So so admittedly, it might not be, and, and somebody might say, "Oh, you're wrong. You're an idiot." In which case, yes, yes, I am. Thank you. Valentine played played very very well. Again, another one of those guys who's taking everything that you're seeing in camp, and he put it onto the field, which is really nice to see. So I'll go I'll go stock da- uh, stock down my my uh, first and really for the most part, only stock down. I might have two. My, my main stock down is Paul Perkins. Coming into this year, everything was, there was kind of like this resurgence of, remember this team is Paul Perkins. Don't forget about Paul Perkins. They still have Paul Perkins. Because it, it totally feels like it, it's a two it's a two running back team. It's Saquon and it's Wayne Gallman. And I'm a big fan of Wayne Gallman. If I had a dollar for... Every time I saw Paul Perkins was still on this team tweet, I would have a million dollars. You'd be you'd be very rich. I don't know about a million dollars, but you'd be rich. I'd be a millionaire. So these these real this is really his first opportunity to show this coaching staff what he's got. He he really w- was less than less than adequate. He four carries nine yards, um, long of four long of four yards. He also uh, caught a pass and fumbled. Uh, which led to, um, I think it ended up leading to a missed field goal by Chandler Cadenzaro, who really quick, I need to get into that really quick. That's hilarious. He retired. Did you? He retired. He played so bad in the first preseason game that he retired. That's impressive. That is hard to do. He's the Jets shithead of the week. Oh, if he's not, if, if there's a Jets... Uh, bleeding green. Bleeding green. If bleeding green's um, shithead of the week is not Chandler Cadenzaro, I don't know who is. But... Uh, the worst thing you can do, especially as a as a veteran, the worst thing you can do is fumble, is turn the ball over. Um, is to it, negative plays are a lot worse than neutral plays. Um, you're better off ha- not having your name called at all than having your name called for the wrong reasons. And he definitely is having his name called for the wrong reasons. I also think it's an interesting to point out: Rod Smith got six carries, Wayne Gallman got five carries. Paul Perkins out of the running backs had the least amount of carries. That's worrisome if I'm Paul Perkins. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I would say I would say all the running back stocks are going down. I mean, Paul Perkins is the one who's who's falling, but out of all of them, I would say actually, I you know, I, we talked about John Hillman in the medical report earlier. Cause I honestly thought that he was going to be the guy that was going to come out. And I'm like, okay. John Hillman, he's the he's the he's the new guy. He's really he's tip. He's really the new guy on the block. Undrafted free agent out of Rutgers. Obviously, I have a Homer bias because he's a St. Peter's Prep alum. I am also a St. Peter's Prep alum. But he's been taking third team reps with the Giants during pre during training camp this year. And he caught a screen. He had a nice little he had a nice little catch on a screenplay, and it resulted in some positive yards. But then he had the concussion a few plays later. He didn't really get a chance to show what he was going to do in that Jets game. But damn, you know, I really thought that he was going to be a guy that was going to, that was going to do well because the rest of the running backs were a bunch of duds, but really all these running backs, their stock is kind of, it's kind of falling right now. 
Yeah, but again, I, I just don't think that the game plan coming in was, let's see what the offense can do in the run game. It, it was evident from the start. I don't think that was really where they wanted to go. But when you're a running back and, and you go into preseason, and I take Wayne Gallman out of this mix because I think Wayne Gallman, is the, he's number two running back. He knows he's not going to become the first, and, I, and he knows he's not following the three, as he shouldn't. Um, and he actually did sprinkle in one very nice run. Right, with Dan, with Daniel Jones was in, when, yeah. When Daniel Jones in, did a very nice run, fought for some extra yards. And that's really the most you can do at this stage of the game. Obviously, last year in the first game, Saquon Barkley had like a 65-year run. But that's few and far between. It, it's really more about the receivers and, and the timing of the quarterback and the receivers and, and the offensive line play in the pass game. So I, I'm not... I'm not really ready to say that all their stocks are falling. I'm just saying I think Paul Perkins Paul Perkins needs to, needs to make the coaching staff go, wow. And they definitely – I would say he probably did make them go, wow. Not, not positively. That's a good one. I like that. I say this tentatively, but you kind of I, – I do want to talk about it because this is important. Julian Love, stock is falling a little bit. Now, he had good moments. He had bad moments. But also his stock is falling because Grant Haley is performing so well. Grant Haley shed at the non-contact jersey, like we said earlier in the episode. So I would think you would think that he is going to be playing this Friday against the Bears. And if he goes out there and he's going to be the starting slot corner, you know, where is Julian Love going to play? But so we said that Corey Ballantyne was going to be a guy that was going to be tested a lot. But one of the guys that we forgot because Julian Love was playing starting slot corner when times that Grant Haley was hurt. He was also playing backup safety. He was also playing as a backup slot cornerback. So he's playing in all these different spots. He's also a guy that we should have said, you know what, we're probably going to see a lot of Julian Love because he's played with both the first and second teams in two different positions. So he was a guy that was even out there towards the end of the third quarter when Jake Carlock had his... uh had his uh, big interception return for a touchdown, Julian Love was still on the field. He was tested and probably went through the NFL growing pains the most last week out of basically all of, all of our rookies. And you can't blame him because he was mostly lining up as a slot cornerback, especially with the first team. And he has been practicing and spending a lot of time at safety as well. So he was kind of thrown into the fire with the Grant Haley injury because, like we said, Grant Haley is the primary slot cornerback. He most notably... This is Julian Love, got caught up in a pick play, that first drive where the Jets marched down the field and scored a touchdown. I honestly think this is great for him to get out there, make these mistakes, but he also made some good plays as well. I'm thinking of a nice pass deflection he had late in the second quarter going towards the Giants' sideline. He had his hips turned, defending the streak going down the field, but once the receiver broke towards the sideline on the out route, he was able to flip his hips and make a play on the ball. So some positives and some negatives for Love, but his stock is falling basically because not only did he have some bad plays during the first preseason game, but also because Grant Haley is coming back and he has had such a fantastic camp as well. I like it. I like it. Uh, I'm going to go with my... uh... I'm really quick. My my other stock falling. Um, I'm not gonna get too far into it. Is B.J. Goodson? Um, you might get into it more, Justin. I don't know. Don't worry about it if you're not. Wait, no. I totally, I totally forgot about that. We need to talk about that. B.J. Goodson. There's a chance B.J. Goodson could get cut from the team. Yeah, and I, I think it's a very, a very real possibility, especially when you look at all of the solid linebacker play this team's getting right now, um, from different, different guys, and you know. You, you you hate Gettleman, you hate Shermer, you think they you think they've made some poor choices in the past. One thing that they are not shy about is they're going to shape the team they went they, the way they want to shape it, and they don't they don't owe BJ Goodson anything. So I, I think I think there's a real possibility he 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 he's on the bubble on this team. That's not something I think you know I I, know I wouldn't have adjusted. Maybe you would have, but I don't think a month and a half ago I would not have said that. No, and I honestly don't even think it's because B.J. Goodson has played so bad. Obviously, his strengths doesn't fit what this team does because this team is running 60 to 70% of the time. They're running nickel, and nickel requires you know guys like Tay Davis, and it requires guys who have a little bit more coverage strengths. B.J. Goodson doesn't have that. B.J. Goodson is a very good tackler. He's a very good efficient tackler, but the fact that during the preseason, Ryan Conley was getting reps over him, and even today during camp, during Monday's practice, when Alec Ogletree was out and he was not playing, 
Ryan Conley was getting starting reps, and it was not B.J. Goodson. So that is a bad, bad, bad sign. Now, obviously, him getting cut may be a stretch because you do need to have linebacker depth. And I feel pretty good if B.J. Goodson's a backup on this team. But the fact that Ryan Conley is playing so well, um, it's it's a tight situation because 53 guys on the roster, a guy like B.J. Goodson who is, you know, he 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 could be he could be a starter somewhere else possibly. That's not typically a guy that you see you know riding the bench on an NFL team. They may decide to cut to cut ways to cut ties with him. Yeah, so I I that, that's all I want to say about B.J. Goodson for now. Um, my my final my final stock report uh stock up is another receiver. Uh, my main man Reggie White, um Reggie White Jr. Who. Initially, I just really liked. Um, I got the privilege. Some of some of you might have seen uh, on Twitter. The, the, it, it really got popular on Twitter um, among a lot of the beat writers and, and from people who who were at the game. Reggie White had, I would say, thirty to forty family members sitting in section one hundred eight, which is where I happened to sit. Literally, the, the row, but they were in the rows behind me, the three rows behind me. That was their family, and they were very, very nice people. Um, and it's always so much fun trying to figure out, like at the preseason games, especially this happens. You clearly have a player's family behind you because out of nowhere, there's just like this, this crazed cheer for somebody who you've never seen before, and nothing even happened. They just like happened to show up on the screen, and the family gets really excited. So I asked who they were rooting for. They said Reggie White, thirteen. And my initial thought was, ooh, it must suck to be the next number 13. But he played very, very well. And and because of the family, and we all were having a really good time rooting for him, because of the family, I happened, my eyes were kind of glued to him, and I was watching, really watching everything he was doing. He had four catches on four targets, which is, again, for a, for a receiver who's trying to make the team, the biggest thing you can do is catch the ball when it's thrown to you. Uh, and he did that. Um, he had 40, 45 yards, something like that. And one catch stands out to me in particular. It was on the Giants' sideline. Full extension, got, got, kept himself in bounds. Really, really nice play. He made a couple of really nice plays. And why I say his stock is rising, not just in the receiving aspect, but again, you can easily tell what, what players are catching the coach's eyes and, and who they want to see succeed. He's definitely one of them. From the moment he stepped on the field as as a receiver, he almost never left the field. He was he was in on almost every play offensively. They started lining him up at gunner. They started lining him up at like the at one of the up men on the on the uh, punt return team. They were lining him up. He he was lined up in the kickoff return. He was he was lined up everywhere. They wanted to keep he's one of those guys. They wanted to keep seeing what he could do. And from what I could tell, there were no glaring mistakes. He actually got down. He actually flew down the field on a Jets punt return and either caused a fair catch or caused a, a return of one or two yards. So definitely Reggie White Jr. stock, in my opinion, way up. Uh, the reason I say way up is just because I don't think anybody really saw anything coming from him. And he definitely opened some eyes. And I love his family. Yeah, that's a, that was a really cool story. I uh, I actually went down to David's seats as the game was ending because then we went back to the we back to, we went back to my parking spot and we went we went back to my car and we had a we had a good time. We had some subs. We threw we threw the football around. It was a good time. Um, catch us in parking lot K for uh from at MetLife Stadium. But um, neither here nor there. That was a really cool cool time, cool moment. Must have been a really cool game for you to just sit through and just to be a part of the the Reggie White Jr. family for just a little bit. It really was awesome, and especially uh, Art Stapleton tweeted out about. Um, I know Justin. I know Lax. Take it easy. Uh, Art Stapleton tweeted out about Reggie White. Um, a couple of different people, and I I took I, I showed my 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 Twitter screen with the tweets about the Reggie White like section, and I showed it to his mom was sitting right behind me, and I showed it to her. And she was like really really excited. She was like going crazy. She was she took my phone out of my hand, and started showing people. So. It was really, it was really, really cool. But all that aside, he really did play very, very well. It was not just one of those flash in a pan things, and it was like, oh, that was cool. I'm rooting for him now. He really played well, um, and clearly the coaching staff thought so as well because he never left the field. All right, so David, I think we're going to leave it off, and we are going to end it on that positive and great story. How do you like that? I love it. 
All right, so that's right. We're going to end it. Um, we are playing another football game. We, I'm going out there and I'm playing. <laughs> you are also going out there and playing, David. Suit up. Right. Uh, the New York Football Giants will be going out and playing a football game this Friday against the Chicago Bears at MetLife Stadium at 7.30. I will be there. David will be there. I will be live streaming before the game for a pregame show. I am in the process of submitting the podcast to the Apple Podcast app that will be called a Bleeding Blue pregame show. So it'll be a podcast solely dedicated to pregame shows and previewing a game for the New York Football Giants that will be played the next day. So that information will be coming out as it is coming and as the podcast, everything gets all submitted. So, uh, David, until Friday, or basically, you're going to be hearing from Bleeding Blue the rest of the week and including on Saturday because we have our previewing the Giants series. But at least until another football game is played, until Friday against the Bears, keep on bleeding blue. And David. Everybody out there, stay beautiful.